listening to Omnis Protocol. I am Charles, also known as Omnis, and I am ridiculously excited to talk about this episode freshly back from the Las Vegas Open. And I'm back in like home territory because I have my co-host of co-hosts. I have Mr. Emmanuel Class, aka Immonstrous, coming on to co-host episode two with me. Emmanuel, oh, it's so good to be doing this with you, buddy. Oh, I agree, man. I got a big old smile the whole time from the beginning of this intro. Even starting out with a little blooper, it was just like, oh, this is going to be great. Oh, I, it's just, there was a part, as soon as I started playing and I knew that you were kind of in a different place, I didn't want to be like, hey, you got to hop into this game with me. But then we met up at LVO and obviously I felt like this would be a good episode for you to be on. So it's, uh, you know, we have had a lot of rapport over the like 10 years of podcasting now, almost, right? Like it's been like a decade 10, pretty, seems right. Yeah, pretty close to a decade of podcasting off and on at least. So Emmanuel. Thank you for coming on Omnis Protocol. I hope this will not be a one-time thing, and I can drag you back on regularly, at the very least. So Yeah, if I don't go start my own podcast and call it the <laughs> Emmanuel Protocol right afterwards and then invite you on to be my co-host, uh, then I'll be back for – absolutely. I would totally come on Emmanuel Protocol. <laughs> uh, don't, don't tempt me, Charles. Don't tempt me. <laughs> Dude, I would come on anything that you did. Um <laughs> But, you know, I had Jay on for the first episode, so, you know, I, I have to try to raise the bar, and there's not very many people that I want to record with more than Jay, so, you know, you... you uh, I'm so excited. Let's get into it. <laughs> okay, let's let's hop right in. So, Thursday of Las Vegas Open, we were going to help set up tables and stuff, but it wasn't ready to be set up, so we decided to do a demo. And unfortunately, your very first demo was not with me, and I don't want to go into like why it was negative, but it didn't seem like the greatest way to do a demo. Too many people involved. But I, especially after just doing a podcast about demoing, you're my first demo after that podcast. So It was so funny, too. <laughs> so like we had a little bit of time, and you could tell Charles was like nervously waiting to ask me if I wanted a demo, and he's like, should I ask him now? Should I ask him now? <laughs> All right, Manuel, do you want to – it was like it, it hit him like a Mack truck. All right, now's the moment. Ooh, Let's do yeah. it. This is the time. You know, we just needed some more alcohol probably. But <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so uh, even though you had started off with a negative impression, you were ready for a demo. Let's just start off with what, what were you wanting out of the demo the most? Like what did you, what did you want to see about the game to like see if this was worthwhile for you? Well, I mean, to be honest, Marvel goes way back for me. I am a, like, from the comic pages nerd. Uh, I cuddled with them at night when I was a little kid. They helped me get through some tough times in Iraq. I am a diehard Marvel comic nerd. So for me, like, being true to Marvel was part of it, but also being interesting. Like, making the things that I already liked like playable and fun on the table because they could have done some of these characters very poorly and then gone, hmm, well, that's just kind of how we did this one. And <laughs> yeah, from the moment go, I felt there was just so much craftsmanship and time taken with all of the characters that I was like, yes, this feels right. This feels really good. As soon as we sat down and you were like, all right, here's the scenarios. Here's your team. Here's my team. Let's go. There was it was 
quick, easy, and right into it, we got away. So, on the subject of characters, then, out of your very first game, what character sung with you the most? Like, which character did you just feel a, like a connection with? You're like, this is the kind of stuff that I want to play in MCP. So here's the funny thing, is you can't judge a book by its cover, right? So initially... Wait, I have you seen a- the Star-Lord model? Because I will play that thing even if its stats suck. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love some of the characters, and I really wanted to play with some of the characters. I knew right away, like Ultron and Venom. I was like, let me put these on the table right now. Um, but getting to play Zemo, right? So I was like, of all the characters they could have picked... Why on earth is he a character? Like, this is the most odd thing. Like, in a world of, like, Miss Marvels and Hulks, I just feel like he's going to get creamed, right? And then we play, and he is not only deep and interesting with lots of intricate uh, interactions, but he's just cool and, like, useful. And there's always something, like, you want your Zemo around, and you really consider his board position, and how he affects other characters, and how his uh, individual board state affects uh, your opponent's decisions. And so I came away from that just, like, floored. Like, okay, I'm totally okay if you take a really obscure character and make him sweet as hell on the table, (laughs) because now I'm going to take Zemo all the time. It's just Zemo, Zemo, everything. And it's really fitting. Like, it ends up matching his character very well, too. Like, this this seems very appropriate for him. Um, and yeah, he is one of the better three-threat co- three characters, I think, in MCP. So I don't blame you for liking him. <laughs> so uh, past, um, past Zemo, because obviously Zemo doesn't have flight or wall, crom- wall climber, so there's a lot of terrain stuff to be interacting with. How mm-hmm. did you feel about the overall interaction of the characters with the terrain and such on the board? You know, at first, I was um, not as impressed, but it was because I failed to understand the game and its depths. So I had to kind of step back from the demo and learn, right? As you should from any of time you play a first game. Um, but there were two interactions in particular. There was one where... Um, I activated um, Red Skull, right? And I wanted to push you off an objective. And because of where I was standing, the widget was just going to push you back into the objective. And I'm like, this seems bad. Like, I just don't like this interaction because of the widget and the way it, like, makes this weird little V around. I I was just like, and then it gets placed. How? But then you're like, dude, if you just stand, like, here and push that way and use the widget like this, as it should be, Bam! All of a sudden it all works. And I was just like, okay. So it's player error and not necessarily a trainer interaction. But I could see not having somebody as elegantly demoing the game as Charles here um, might find that interaction a little more frustrating. Um, The second interaction was not necessarily knowing how throws worked and being... Um, basically, it's just like this extra attack. Like, there's just so many different ways that you can pick up terrain and hurt your opponent or even your own characters and how it's relevant. And at first, I thought, I don't get how this works. Like, I don't, why are we just removing pieces of terrain? Like, you're telling me I can stand on top of a piece of terrain or somebody else can stand on top of a piece of terrain and it can be thrown? Like, what? This, in like, 
then I saw a few games play out, and I talked with a few players about all the different cool interactions that character ha- characters have with Rose, and bam, like the light clicked on. I was like, okay, this is way cooler than meets the eye. And not only do you get really cool terrain with the kit that you get to build, like the dumpster was just surprisingly fun. I was just like, this is really cool. Yeah. Um, but the I, first time you throw something at somebody, you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> Or throw somebody into a building. Like, you're just like, I need one more point of damage on the Hulk. Building. Meet Hulk. Yeah, well, not that any of us have thrown the Hulk, because Thor's not out yet. So, yeah, I think Thor's the only one who can throw the Hulk just yet. But, same thing. I think, actually, that situation was reversed in the, in reality. Yeah, Hulk threw someone else. That's... Yeah, I, I played a few games with the Hulk that weekend, and I found that I ended up using him way more as a support piece, where he was constantly, like, moving around and just, like, throwing people out of the way and, like, getting them off of the places they were supposed to be. It was like, Banner Hulk! Like, all these ta- smart tactical plays. I could go on a whole tangent about how much I love Hulk and, like, damn near reconsider, like, all the things that I wanted to play because of how much I love Gamma Launch. <laughs> Gamma Launch is pretty ridiculous. Okay, so you, you the, the terrain and the interactions all started see, sinking in. I think my favorite part is the crisis, and I was kind of curious, like, how did your impression of the crisis system, like, the, the, the secure and the extraction, like, what was your impression of all of that after, I mean, you got in a few games, but after the demo and your overall con experience? Well, prior to playing the game, several people had made, like, War Machine or Magic the Gathering analogies of the scenario basically is more important, where you're playing a game like X Control Caster, you're playing the game like this Magic deck, and when we got to the game, it became very clear, very quick, that the scenario was not only super relevant, but every point was impactful. And whether you were scoring or standing on it or contesting it, and you spent a lot more time thinking about how to unravel that and also how your opponent was going to react to it. Because it's a I-go-you-go system. So it's not like you get to move all your pieces and do all your cool tech and launch everybody everywhere and Wakanda forever, and then you're like, all right, now you go. It's like, I move this guy over here. Great, I push him off the point, you go. Like, there's so many more deep layered interactions and there's so many characters that can affect scenario that I was like this is the game like this is how you play the game it doesn't matter like you can't nuking characters is cool and dazing characters is relevant but like controlling characters is really important yes absolutely like I'm really finding the characters that have multiple ways like say Venom and Spider-Man where they have both like a push a character towards you and they can like throw a character away both like on the same piece is so impactful oh my gosh Uh, I watched one game where Venom cornered somebody right like they were near the board edge uh, for a scenario piece and he's like okay I grab you and pull you and then I throw you over here and now you can't get back into the game without passing Venom and he's just gonna find you and beat you wherever you are and I was just like this is abusive like, this is this is really good, but of course, then you're committing Venom to just like stalking this character over on the board edge for a while. Um, Sounds like a very Venom thing to do. But it, it was just so Venom. It was just like yeah. I love this, and but 
is that the right choice too? Like that also became very relevant. I found like is committing characters to these aggressive combat actions the best choice versus like could he have been standing on a building and scoring points for you? Because at the end, if you didn't get the six sixteen, it doesn't matter. Yep, absolutely. So after you got your demo, I, I'm going to ask this, even though obviously I know what happened. What happened after you played the demo? I stood up and. Well, here, no, here's what happened. I bitched and moaned. Can I say bitched and moaned on this podcast? Is Have this I ever made a podcast that doesn't allow you to say bitched and moaned? Well, it's Marvel, so I was <laughs> like, are we doing this the Marvel, like, Disney way? Like, do I have to it's kiss like the princess? Deadpool Marvel. Like. Okay. <laughs> I, got a, I got a couple of princesses upstairs, so I can pull one down here. So, um, Just wear Crocs, okay? Just don't wear Crocs while we record a show. I like Deadpool Marvel, though. Yeah. Um, I want to make a reference about a topographical map. Yeah. Well, uh, anyways, like, so back Marvel on is slightly explicit than Blade Marvel, right? Yes. Right, and so I, I think we're, I think we're Deadpool Marvel still. I'm down with that. Um, so back on topic. Uh, <laughs> Wait, Deadpool's not to- on topic. I guess, I guess neither Deadpool or Blade are in the game yet. So. I'm trying so hard not to tangent into cosplay <laughs> stuff, and I'm like, ah, back. On topic. So what we did is I pissed and moaned for a while about how I couldn't buy the stuff. Because I walked around the vendor hall and I didn't see anybody selling it. And I'm like, ah! And then you were like, what if we, like, Amazon one day? Like, can we get it to us tomorrow and play it? And I, like, I looked over at Pagani and I said, Pagani, why is nobody selling uh, MCP here? And he said, there is one vendor. He's right there, selling right it behind the dust stuff. Go talk to him now. And I near jumped Leap Venom style over, <laughs> just like, got to go right now. Bah. And so say that Bagani gamma launched you towards yes. <laughs> the swipers. Exactly. Okay. Um, and I get over there and I get the starter set and um, all of that stuff. And it was just like, thank you, Pagani saves the day. And Modoc, some glue, some clippers, because yeah. you were not planning on building models at this convention. I was not. Well, I, so I had planned to play War Machine all convention, and now it was like very, very clear to me how much MCP I was going to be playing. Well, I don't know if I should apologize or tell you you're welcome. You tell me. Which one should I say? Both? I mean, the thing is. After all the years of podcasting, Charles, I'm committing to another game where you podcast, which means <laughs> we are going to spend time on the microphone talking about stuff, and that is a, v- a very large time commitment. If you guys ever get to podcast with Charles, his outlines are fantastic. It's, I'm surprised <laughs> it didn't come with unicorn stickers and a little sign of Deadpool like holding up my name as I came into the episode. It is Fantastic. And we should actually get back onto that schedule because it is Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you ended up enjoying the game because I really didn't know. Like, I knew you had had a bad initial demo, um, but I, I wanted to show you what I was seeing in the game. And I have, a, I have a specific way I demo, especially with someone on your tactical level where I wanted to, like, talk about different maneuvers and, like, this character has these options that you can do right now. And, like, mm-hmm. start letting your brain, like tease these different decisions and you're like ooh which one is better and like present you with some options and not just like let you just 
run rampant and miss opportunities, but give you a few things that you can like toy around with your brain. You're like, Ooh, that is something that I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but with all that in mind, what would you say? Like, cause obviously you, you, there's not very many times that you walk over and you spend 150 plus dollars, like after a single demo, like you like games, but that's still even a bit extreme, even for you. What would you say is the defining aspect or mechanic in the game where you're like, yes, this is something that I want to play more. I would say the amount of like board control. I think that it's really interesting that there are all these characters and the most interesting thing that they can do is not beat up on each other. Like um, just the scenario in general, it was also really smooth. Like we, we played the box demo scenarios, right? The ones that you recommend. Yeah, we did do the, uh, um, the cube fragments and the extremist console like i i like that as a com- like it's a very crisis heavy game yeah. plan it and was so- fun it was spread out there was lots to do it was very relevant like i like that it was the game within the game because you think this is a minis game combat game like all of these characters are designed around combat stats and how they can interact with each other but turns out beating each other up isn't the coolest thing you can do and I like that a lot. That was the defining character for me. Characters. I I don't blame you at all, because there has been more and more times where when I'm playing, like we were talking about Venom just a little bit earlier, and there was a game that I played with Venom at LVO where there's this point where I'm like, Venom had like two different targets, and I could potentially double attack someone. And then I realized the best plan for me was actually to walk forward and then, like, web snare Hulk towards Venom to pull him off one crisis point. Because I can't throw Hulk because he's too big. But I could do, like, the web snare pull. Then, mm-hmm. as I, then I move again over onto this other crisis spot that had, I think, Shuri on it. And then he, like, you know, Clintar Rage throws her away. And <laughs> even though he got, like, no attacks, all he did was a little bit of throw damage on like one model. I'm not even sure if she was thrown into something. It didn't matter, but his whole activation was just denying Hulk scoring that one point. And then that allowed me to score that point. And then he moves another character off so he can score a point. So he like, it's kind of a three point swing, if not more, like more like a four point swing. Cause I denied two for my opponent and set me up to gain two. So that's like, that's a pretty, that's a really impactful turn. And that those sort of situations just seem to be coming up more and more where there are those moments where not attacking is the right play. And that's it's mind boggling. Like that's that can be a thing. And you're like, because coming from some of our other games, right, you're always like, oh, I have an attack. I might as well take it right in most cases. Well, and here's my favorite thing around that, too, is that, like, characters aren't just dead after killing them. There's the whole um, daze system. And so it kind of gives you the opportunity for rebuttal. It takes some time to remove a character unless you, like, have a character where your opponent nukes them and then also gets priority and can then nuke them again. Um, It's usually a situation where they can still interact. And that was probably one of my other favorite things about it. Like, I didn't expect as many characters. To, like, we finished our demo game, and all the characters are still on the board. Yeah, I don't think we had a single KO in our game. I think we both had two dazed characters, something like that. But it ended like fourteen to sixteen or something. Like, it yeah. was it was a full game. 
Um, so I was really impressed with that aspect of it. Like, it was cool to see that you get to keep your characters on the table and play with them throughout the whole game. I mean, they can die. <laughs> I had some characters die this weekend. Yeah, uh, I did have my first game this weekend where we actually did a, a full KO to team. I was blown away that it actually happened. That is extremely rare. Because sometimes, like as we were just talking about, you you don't always want to attack. And there are times where simply choosing not to attack to avoid giving them power can be the right play as well. Like, don't, mm-hmm. like sometimes... There was like uh, there was one game in the like Sunday tournament where um, I was about to walk into a really terrible situation. I actually had Hulk attack Modok, and then Modok just, I just didn't deal any damage, or I think I only did one oh. something. It was something really pitiful, but it ended up working out in my favor because if I had given him one additional power, he was going to be able to like double up and do two like do some really crazy stuff. And I think you have to think about that stuff like regularly about how much power are you likely going to leave a character with and like Killmonger I'm like if I'm facing off against Killmonger and it's like still his turn I don't want to make one attack on him and give him a charge like that's Mm -hmm. just that's just something that you have to think about and so I I don't know how much you ran into that in your other games but that's absolutely something that you have to think about I ran into it a lot in our second game where you were playing Hulk and like I had to really consider how much damage am I going to do to the Hulk and is it worth giving him the opportunity to attack another character and just like nuke them off the table and how much damage do I have and how much energy do I have and like that whole economy um, it's not just a investment it's a give and take and so there's it's a lot deeper than the initial thought of it. You're not only, it's like passing it back and forth. Yeah. And, and on top of like, whether or not you give them power, you have to think about when do you want to daze a character, right? Because if your opponent's going to have priority next turn and you daze one of their characters, that character can still activate first thing the next round. And so I had the last game of the Sunday tournament. We had this, we hit this interesting point where, my Black Panther was going after his Black Panther. And his Black Panther was at one, holding a cube fragment. And my Black Panther was at two, holding a cube fragment. And I absolutely had potentially as much as three attacks to make to deal one damage. Well, two attacks plus, like, the pounce, where I could deal the damage and then pick up his cube fragment. But we were like, wait a minute. Is it better for me to let you hold onto the cube and then daze at the beginning of your next turn so you lose your activation? Or do I want to take you down now, deny you that point, pick up the cube fragment, and then let my panther, who's now holding two cube fragments, get dazed at the start of next turn and I lose his activation? And that's a really interesting conundrum. And I'm not really 100% sure which way was the right way. I ended up letting him daze the next turn because I thought taking Black Panther out of his equation would help me execute a final game plan. But... That sort of stuff is super interesting, especially yeah. with cube fragments. It came up um, at the in our second game as well because I had moved Modok up, and then like I had cubed him up, and then Sherry had pushed him back, and so he had to like walk into this funky position, and then you like la- gamma launch um, Black Panther next to me, and then um, activate Killmonger, and Killmonger comes in. 
and they kill Modok and usurp the throne and Wakanda forever, all in the same, like, one go. And then it changes priority, and then it comes back to your turn, and you're like, oh, well, since Monok's only got four health, this is Sparta, and just like, <laughs> kicks him in the chest. And that's it for him. And you know, I think you didn't even have to activate Killmonger again. You activated like Black Panther to finish me off, which meant left open Killmonger. To- oh, and you not only you Black Ops into Zemo on top of all of that shenanigans. So you had really changed up how um, things went in a single activation. And so it gave me a lot. Like when it back came on my side, I'm like, okay, how do I try to dig out of this? And is there a way to get priority back? And it's just that yeah, that was out. obviously not our first game. I and I wouldn't do that to most no, people. No, but I was that like, was not a demo game. Charles yeah. was like, let's play. <laughs> yeah, that was when we we're back into like real play mode. And it was sweet yeah. though. I it, I love seeing it. It's one of those really weird turns where you lose track of who's actually activating because you're like, okay, wait a minute. Hulk throws this character. Black Panther's also making attacks, but it's actually Killmonger's turn, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of stuff happens and. Sometimes sometimes you got to have Wakanda forever to like make sure that the Killmonger thing happens, but a lot of time he can still do it in two attacks, so you get this other attack that can go somewhere. And you get uh, that sweet usurp the throne two points. Oh my goodness, that card is sick. Oh, I've I've had that re- I've had that actively determine quite a few games. Like every points. game. Yeah. Two points is a game breaker in a lot of the games. It's like just getting the lead sometimes is so much pressure. Well, and as you mentioned, it really one of the things that you have to very carefully manage is how you control priority. And I think this is really going to be something that's going to develop into a very important skill for people who play Marvel Crisis Protocol because it's kind of the game within the game, right? Like we, you know, you got to learn like the dice math and like your abilities and what your opponent can do. But you, I think there's going to be a lot of thought going into whether or not you're going to have priority and how that plays into your game plan. And I had a game where someone one-shot my Shuri and it messed up their priority because it was going to mean that I was going to have priority next turn instead of them because Shuri hadn't activated yet. And so his spike high was all of a sudden like, wait a second. And then my whole game plan became about having priority and I actually declined to attack characters that hadn't activated because I didn't want to accidentally give it back to him. And so I think managing that is going to be incredibly important. And, like, different characters want priority different directions. Like, obviously, we we talked about the Shuri moves where you want to, like, push someone off a point. And so especially, like, round one, Shuri wants to go last and, like, potentially push one or, you know, later rounds, potentially push two people off of crisis points. And so I think she's a good example of a character who wants you to not have priority so that she can kind of, like, end the round being super techy and being like, get off my crisis, B. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And just having her as that resource well and the, as in your back pocket because, like, activating her last means you can really make sure she don't put her in a hazardous situation and keep her working for you all game. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch of characters. Does there Has there been any where you were like, this is a character I can definitely see me activating last in the round? Like, where I, I this character advantaged by not having priority? Um, Black Panther stood out to me a lot. Um, I think it was the, uh, 
third game I had played where I was like, all right, Black Panther going here is super relevant because if he just hangs back and doesn't kill anything and decides he's going to bounce me off a point or contest a point, that's super bad, and he's super <laughs> fast. Yeah, and because in this game you don't have – like there's no order of like movement has to happen before you attack, so it doesn't create those weird interactions where only like super mobile characters can do it. Any character can just go, well, like I will punch you first and then move. And then Black Panther can also do, like, the pounce shenanigans into you, do a little bit of damage, then push you away, and then walk back to a point. Like, there's a lot of mobility that he has, and I can absolutely see him being one where his, with his speed and his ability to push someone off of a crisis, that he's a late-round activation when possible. Um, So what are some of the other ones you know, like, offhand, where you're like, this is definitely my late-game anchor? Um, well, I haven't played Spider-Man a whole ton, but especially after I've been playing Venom more, I've been looking at the Spider-Man card more, and I think he plays a bit like Black Panther, where he's an incredibly fast character, um, and so you might want him to do something really aggressive, like go up and grab the herb in, like, the Wakandan herbs crisis, or he, like, moves really aggressively onto someone else's crisis at the end of a at the end of a round to like deny their point. Um, Maybe even like pulling someone off of it as he, you know, he walks, pulls them off of the crisis and then walks again. And so he's actually the only one on it. So he denies them a point and gives them a point, but he's kind of in a dangerous spot. So you don't want to do that mid turn where they are like mid round where they have more responses to it. So I think Spider-Man is a great one to potentially be considering if you know that you are, at least not starting with priority, and you want to be able to pull off some shenanigans. <laughs> I think Captain Marvel uh, may want to go last, too. Like, getting her binary form to go through the entire round. Legit. Yeah. yeah. Because hers goes until her next activation when she binary forms, and there's not very many abilities that act that way. So the fact that she could, like, go late in a round and then, like, pummel someone with binary form or get the energy to binary form and then have that defense while she's sitting on a crisis point through potentially your opponent's entire next turn, especially when they want to like start off they're going to have priority and they want to like knock her off a point, but she's going to have two bonus defense on all defense rolls. Like that throws that math really wonky. Like that can mess up like a killmonger usurp where he's like, I want to go after her, but she's rolling a lot of dice. So yeah, I agree. I think I think Captain Marvel's also one where it has some great late turn plays. But why don't we switch it up and talk about the characters that potentially want that priority? They want you to take control of the priority so they get to activate first in a round. And we were just talking about Killmonger. He absolutely he wants like his defensive stats are in that very medium category. They're not bad, but they're just mm-hmm. medium. And so it's easy to like have two strong attacks, take him down and daze him. So he wants to either like, Oh, I got dazed. Now I'm going to charge in black ops strike and I'm going to take out their, you know, that high threat character on their team, usurp the throne, get you some extra points. And then players are like, well, he's already activated. Do I want to deal with him? But I can't let him do this again next turn. And it creates these conundrums. Um, and then on top of Black Ops Strike also has Stagger. So, you know, there are times that he can be a support piece where you're just like, well, I'll Black Ops Strike this person, enjoy your Stagger. And I'll Black Ops Strike this person, enjoy your Stagger as well. <sighs> 
Like, <laughs> hope you didn't want full activations next round. <laughs> yeah, that that's some control right there. Like, I yeah. think Wakanda's got a lot of control. Absolutely, Wakanda is Wakanda controls everything. Um, so you you've been mostly playing Cabal. Did I mean? So obviously, you played a bit of Killmonger. Were there any other characters where you're like, this is definitely one I feel like you want to take control of priority and get this character activating first? You know, it was after playing that I went back and I was looking at the cards, and I well, it wasn't just after playing. So I spent the weekend like quizzing everybody who was playing and anybody I could talk to, what they thought about the game, how much they used like this tactics card or that tactics card, and the one that I didn't initially take in my set that I had asked a lot of people if they were getting use out of it was drop off. And I was like, okay, why? And they were like, I have um, my, um, whatever his name is, Ultron, pick up Venom, fly him forward, drop him in the middle of the board. Or, if it's the opportunity to get an extra attack out of it, you have him pick up Venom and drop him wherever he needs to be so he can potentially lethal protect or somebody that round and also punch somebody because you get a free attack out of it. And yep. then let, you know, it's like... That it just seems like a really neat interaction, and that's a card that I, like I found was a sleeper. I was like, oh, I am definitely going to use this Ultron goes first and picks up Venom and drops him somewhere shenanigans. Like I can definitely see that also comboing with Hulk, where you're like, okay, um, Hulk's going to toss somebody, and then I'm going to pick up Venom and fly this guy over here, and he's also going to hit you. It's interesting how. The the first turn plays may not necessarily be offensive, where like dropping off Venom into a key spot that allows you to then lethal protector someone important, like say Killmonger or something, where like you mess up their plans to try to hurt someone as well, is yeah. also like that could apply easily. Like there might be turns where the first thing that you want to do is just activate Captain America or Okoye and move them up into a bodyguarding position where mm. you want to make sure that you get priority and then you get to set up that defensive play at the start of the turn. And maybe you do like one of their defensive cards as well, where you do like inspiring monologue or something like that, where you, you put someone in this really strong defensive place, like right at the beginning of a turn. I mean, we talked about Captain Marvel a minute ago. Um, you could also be planning like, oh, well, she took a bunch of damage. And now I want to start off the turn by going binary form, wrecking some bitches, and then, <laughs> you know, having super high defense for the whole rest of that that round. That's the technical um, term, by the way. Which which term is that? <laughs> wrecking bitches. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's a superpower. Um, might be a Deadpool superpower. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally see it on cable. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I would be down for that. Uh, so any other ones um, that you think would be uh, a potential, like, this character goes first? Moduck. One, you don't want him to get controlled yeah. <laughs> or beat down or, like, hurt. Um, and then him having, like, a big opening, like, let's just change things up and nuke things down. Um, he can also get, like, multiple attacks on multiple characters, and sometimes getting, like, two characters down could be real significant. Yeah, his ability to, like, start off, like, I'm going to bow to the will of the MODOK, move this character so he's within two inches of this other character, and then Doomsday Chair, Whirling Blades, and potentially daze or KO two characters at the start of a turn is huge, and especially in something like Gamma Shelters. 
But a little warning for the audience, be careful when you're playing MODOK, because both of the characters still have to be in range 4 of the Doomsday Chair. It's not something where you can Doomsday Chair and then hit someone else who's further away. Uh, they both have to be within Ford, but there's just the additional rule where uh, it has to be within two of the original target, but that second target does have to be within four of MODOK as well. So don't let people catch you off guard with that stuff. You know who else I found myself activating uh, first a lot? Red Skull. Um, just having him like go and cube up and move somebody into a relevant position. Like um, I had um, Crossbones in the best position because I was like, all right, he double stacked heroes over on this side of the table. I'm going to activate Red Skull. I'm going to move Crossbones up so that way whoever he puts on this objective, Crossbones is going to come up and just haymaker, haymaker. And if he shoots <laughs> at me, great. And it worked out exactly like that. It was like, oh, well, Iron Man comes over here onto this point, and he was like, okay, here comes the haymakers. <laughs> Damn. Um, so that extra movement, and also putting, like, he can just put out damage. Red Skull <laughs> can do work. Absolutely. And sometimes you could do that defensive play like we were talking about. Like, there might be a situation where you want to pull someone back. Like, they've got a little overexposed, and so you want to, like, um, you know, yes. cosmic cube and like master the cube and just like move him back to the to a more defensible position or maybe move a character who benefits from being like something like Black Widow who wants to be really close to their adversary, like shove them up in someone's face so that they can get counter strike. Zemo as well could apply to that. So well, I think one of the main things that we have been bouncing around is that it's gonna be really important to monitor who has priority. And not just who has priority, but who is going to be getting priority for the next round, because that is going to affect all of your decisions. If you are going to have priority next turn, like as I was talking about, where I didn't want to attack a character who hadn't activated because I could see me, like it was a Shuri, where I didn't want to spike and then daze his Shuri and then lose the ability for my Killmonger to start the next turn, that sort of thing is something that you're going to have to be monitoring it because the dice can spike like high in a way that isn't necessarily beneficial for you and so you want to be thinking about those decisions because that that is going to be the kind of play where someone just makes a random attack that they don't actually need to make for their game plan and lose priority and i think that's going to lose people games if they're not careful i agree 100 percent. yeah but I mean, I suppose the opposite is also true. If you aren't going to get priority next turn, you may want to even use rerolls to get your own character dazed before they activate. Like, there's nothing that says that you have to reroll dice in a beneficial way for you. Like, again, you're especially since your opponent has to reroll their dice first. So if you have like two blocks and they're trying to get damage on you, and they're like, "Okay, perfect, this is this is great," and you're like, "All right, I reroll my blocks." Like I, I totally foresee me doing that at some point, which is not some. It was. It was definitely not one of my initial takeaways from this game. Hurting your own characters can also like deal that last point of damage. Yeah, you can't make attacks, but like beams, beams. You know, um, uh, yeah, like Iron Man's like homing rockets. You could totally finish off your own character. 
Iron Man has two ways to hurt his own characters. Yeah, that is so Tony, though. When you (laughs) I had not considered that. Right, but he's he's totally the guy. Like you could just imagine it watching Endgame, where he would totally have homing rockets, Doctor Strange. Like, get out of here, buddy! Like you have been benched. I could totally see him like homing rockets, things that are near the Hulk, and just being like, "Oh, I don't care. The Hulk's there." Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, obviously you can't target your own character with an attack, but beams and the homing rockets and stuff can still get them. Um, but I mean, obviously you're not always your opponent is going to do smart things to try to maintain priority when they want it. But I think it's going to start having a lot of impact in how you select your team. Cause obviously priority happens first. That is the very first step at the beginning of the game. You find out who has priority. And I think, I think that there's a good reason where you might want to choose four or five characters or something, you know, make those decisions based on how many, uh, like based on whether or not you have priority, right? I think five characters could be even more of an issue if you're going first, whereas if you chose to have five characters going first and your opponent chooses four, they're going to get priority turn two. And sure, you might get to like activate Shuri last on the round one to set up for a decent crisis spot, but you may be setting up to get like Modoc or Killmongered, and there's going to be nothing you can do about that. Or vice versa, like, you got to decide, you know, how many... I think I've been taking five characters quite often because I've been thinking about the crisis, and it's hampered my ability to control priority. And I think I need to to start adjusting my thought process for that during the the team-building step. Because honestly, I have one priority a lot. And so now that I've played a couple of games where I actually lost priority and I was going second, it's shifted my view as to how to manage that. Is that something that you have been pondering? Um, it's something that after you made it apparent to me, I was like, hmm, I like my four-man teams even more. Right, like, at first you think, oh, well, the less characters, you, you, don't, have, you don't have the position to, like, camp on points and that sort of thing, but... It just when sometimes when you have lots of those little characters, you are at your opponent's mercy as to whether or not they give up priority. They you basically they have to daze someone, and if they're actively trying to daze people that have already activated, you're you're not going to be in a good spot. Where I think you almost if you end up in one of those situations, you almost have to do something very aggressive, like move a Black Widow or something onto someone's crisis on their side of the board and put them in a position where you're actively going to leave her there and try to force them to do something about her while she's uh, while she hasn't activated. I think something like that, you, you might have to just start thinking about those sort of plays that give you the potential to, uh, to regain priority. Interesting. Well, it's... And it's a really interesting thought process because there isn't any other game that has this sort of mechanic that I know of for determining who will activate first uh, on any particular round. I mean, back when I played Star Wars minis, you were just rolling initiative every turn. And maybe certain characters gave you the ability to have an impact on that. But having a game mechanic that allows you to control who goes to go first, that's a really big deal. And I think this is going to turn into one of those things that at first people 
overlook its importance, but in the long run, it is going to be absolutely key for MCP. Like, um, obviously, if you're playing a Killmonger or MODOK team, you will int- may intentionally want to build to be at four people, so it's easier for you to maintain priority. Uh, because uh, you know it's not going to be that common where uh, where you go down to only three characters, and I'm starting to wonder if there's a point where you might play a point down because it's easier to go down to like control priority. But as we get some of these more expensive characters like Loki plus Gem or Thor and maybe Thanos down the road, like the Thanos. more of the <laughs> the more of these that we get, the easier it's going to be to have a low. Uh, low care or like taking gym slots yeah for sure uh it's it's wrapping my mind around all of this has got me really excited to play some more games um and also just like trying to keep in mind things where if you do have the last activation and you don't have priority you want to make sure that that's an impactful thing like if that I mean that's the trade off, right? You get the last thing to go in the round versus the first next round. So I think you need to make sure that that's something significant. I think Shuri is probably the easiest pick for that, where she can potentially push one or two people off of a crisis, um, or I don't know, maybe like the staggering characters, like Killmonger could still do something like that. Black Widow has a stagger as well. I think. I think you need to plan those things as well. If you don't have priority, you want to try to like blunt, blunt it when someone else does. So I don't know. It's Especially a lot. Especially if to... you can guess who's going to go first. Like if you can yeah. blunt a Killmonger <laughs> or a Moduck or something, just be like, "Fuck you." Yeah, I had someone use disarm against me to mess up a Killmonger activation where they he had negative, I think, two dice on the attack rolls. I'd never used disarm before. But I think that's a really interesting play as well. If you if you know you're in a situation where you think your opponent's gonna have priority and they're going to um, they're going to keep it, or you gain priority and you don't necessarily have a big offensive play, or you do and you can also disarm their key character, oh that sounds awful. I yep. Would... That sounds like a barrel full of fun. Yeah. It's such an interesting choice that Atomic Mass Games made to not make priority random, and I think it's going to end up being my favorite part of this game. And so I hope I hope the listeners get to kind of like hopefully delve into this a little bit more and think about how this affects their team construction and their decisions. Like if I were to say take one thing away from this podcast, like – Controlling priority is important, and you need to think about if you daze a character, is that going to cause you to lose priority next round, or vice versa? Is there a thing that you can do to specifically try to shift that so that you have the priority that you want? And having that be in your mind, I think is I think when we come back to like MCP like a year from now, I think that is going to be a totally regular part of the game. Like if you're not thinking about controlling priority, you're probably at a disadvantage i don't disagree at all well that's because we've been podcasting forever and you are like my podcasting brother not like (laughs) you are my podcasting brother so i'm so happy that i get to like shoot the shit and talk uh mcp with you because i think you and i in the past bouncing ideas off of each other is how we've come to some of these really important realizations and so i am absolutely excited that you're playing 
do you uh, do you have a do you have a team that you're excited to try in your next game, or is there even a character where you're like, I want to put this character on the table? Definitely playing the Ultron Venom combo has me excited because they're two of the characters. Immediately, I was like, I really, really, really want to play these. Like I, the fact that Ultron came in the box, I was just like. What are they doing? Why would they put Ultron in the box? It's like Thanos in the box. And then I like got him and I played him and I saw the balance and I was like, no, this is sweet. And then uh, picking up Venom, the model is sweet and he's probably one of the most intricately designed characters where I was like, there are so many layers to this guy and how he interacts and how he can be put in different situations and the fact that they are great combos and I'm a very defensive player. You know me as always having love defensive tech and so having two characters that have really sweet defensive tech built into them um is just exactly what i want to put on the table so that that's those are my top two and everything else is uh bonus i need you to realize that i will now never look at jack in the box the same way it will always be ultron in the box and <laughs> imagine instead of jack it's like ultron serving burgers like ultron in the box <laughs> you have ruined that fast food chain for me. Oh, will be metal. <laughs> no, it should not be metal. I don't want metal burgers. That sounds awful. Well, maybe it's like, um, you know, death metal burgers. Like, he oh. serves them to you and he's like, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I think I could be a little more down for this. All will be death metal burgers. <laughs> That's the title of this episode. All will be death oh. metal burgers. Now he's like serving them at like an Avenged Sevenfold concert. <laughs> <laughs> Five finger death punch. Yeah. All right. Well, Manuel, thank you so much for like hopping on Skype and recording an episode with me. It's podcasting always feels right when I have you co-hosting. So again, thank you so much for like taking the demo and like getting some games in with me and obviously podcasting with me about it. You are absolutely monstrous. Oh, no problem. I'll have you on uh, the Emmanuel Protocol soon. As soon as I start it, it'll be awesome. You'll be my first guest host. And, um, yeah, we'll just make more of these. For sure. All right. Well, this concludes another episode of Omnis Protocol. Go out there, nerds, and be OP. Okay.